Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. All three of the readings for this weekend speak to us about the Christian definition of hope. Now all of us have expectations in life related to hope. We hope we get that great job. We hope we find that perfect person to spend our lives with. And so we have many different hopes in our life. Now with hope also implies an element of uncertainty. We don't always know if we are certainly going to get these things. Give you some examples. Take a high school student. They work really hard, they get good grades, in the hope that they will go to a promising university and then land the great job for a promising career. Or the couple. Two people meet each other, a man and woman, and they hope that this is the person that they're going to spend the rest of their life with. And then they begin to hope and dream about where they're going to live, the house they're going to buy, the children that they're going to have. Or, say, a dedicated social worker. This person, you know, hopes that they're going to make a difference in people's lives, that they're going to change the world for the better. And so we all have hopes. Now, the scripture readings for this weekend tell us an important element of hope is that it has to be realistic. If it isn't, then it adds to disappointment and even despair. I'll give you some examples. A young researcher, scientist, says, I'm going to wipe out or rid the entire world of all diseases. Well, that's not very realistic. Just look at many of the diseases we have in this world. The plague, Ebola, MRSA. Just look at cancer. Cancer alone has so many varieties, whether it's pancreatic, bone, skin, it's very unrealistic to make that statement or to have that hope. Take a young stockbroker just starting out. He'll say, I'm going to be the next Warren Buffett. No, that's unrealistic. Warren Buffett, yes, was very, very successful in investing in the stock market. But he was one amongst many, many people that was successful. There were millions of stockbrokers that were not as successful as Warren Buffett. So this is an unrealistic hope. Or take an athlete, say a high school athlete plays baseball. He has the hope that he'll be able to land a scholarship to go to a university and then be recruited to play in the major leagues, maybe even for the Milwaukee Brewers, our hometown. And he also has the hope that he will bring maybe four or five World Series to the Milwaukee Brewers. Now, that is not just a hope. The way the Brewers are playing now, it's pretty much a dream, let alone a miracle. But nonetheless, hopes have to be realistic. If they're not, then it adds to disappointment and even despair in our life. Now, another thing that the readings for this weekend teach us is the comparison, the contrast of the reign of God versus our church. Now, they're not one in the same. 
Now, the reign of God, when you hear that statement, it means that we promote justice and peace and charity and love and forgiveness and compassion to all people in this world. And yes, that's found in the church. That is the mission of the church. And therefore, we should hope that we too, as a church and members of the church, can continue the work of reigning the kingdom of God in this world. And yet, we also cannot hope that the church is perfect, that the church is some utopia society that is free from all problems or errors. That's an unrealistic hope. Why? Well, just look at the history of our church, the Reformation, the Great Western Schism, the priest-pedophile scandal. I think a reason for all these things, as Paul tells us in Ephesians 4, 7, he says, we hold the glory of God in earthen vessels. Earthen vessels are us, human beings, capable of making mistakes and errors, lapses of judgment. And so, to say that the church is perfect, a utopia society, well, it's unrealistic. Now, with that in mind, go into the first reading, and Ezekiel now gives us a message of hope. Now, realize the background here. Ezekiel, as well as all the Israelites, are living as slaves in exile to the Babylonians. They've been conquered by them. And yet, his message is one of hope to a people that feel hopelessness. Notice how it begins. Thus says the Lord God, I too will take from the crest of the cedar, from its topmost branch, and tear off a tender shoot, planted on a high and lofty mountain. On that mountain heights of Israel I will plant it. It shall be put forth branches and bear fruit, and become a majestic cedar. Well, that tiny little shoot that is torn off and will be planted, well, it's symbolic of the Israelite nation. They are a tiny nation. They will be torn off from the Babylonians and freed. And when they are rooted, remember, Jerusalem is the capital city. It's where the temple is. And it's on the top of a mountain. So he's referring to Jerusalem. It's going to be planted on a mountain. It's going to flourish. Why? Because the Israelite people are God's chosen people. And from them, all other nations will be drawn to God. More to it, from that little shoot, it says a majestic cedar will blossom. A majestic cedar is the king of all the trees in the entire woods. Well, what he's saying here is a king will come, a messiah, that will be the king of all kings. You know, one of the titles that we give Jesus is king of kings. So now he's referring to Jesus. See, what Isaiah is telling the Israelites, from their lowly state of slavery, they will be freed. More to it, a great king, a messiah, will come from the Israelite nation. Therefore, it is a message of hope, and it is realistic because it's fulfilled through Christ. Now, turn to the second reading from Paul. Paul gives us another message of hope. And again, it's realistic. Why? Because Paul tells us it's all founded in all of God has done for the Israelite people already. Notice how it begins. We are always courageous, hopeful, although we know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Now, we've heard that statement many times. We probably sang that song by heart. We walk by faith and not by sight. But notice the opposing term. A person that walks by sight basically sees everything ahead of them. Therefore, 
They can't or don't rely upon anyone. They rely upon themselves to walk. You know, they can walk when they want, where they want, how they want. But a person that walks by faith has to rely upon God. They walk when God wants them to walk, where God wants them to walk, and how. And see, a great example of that are the lives of the saints. The saints all walked with eyes of faith. They placed their hope that God would care for them and lead them to exactly where God wanted them to be. And they did just that. And they did incredible things. You know, if you look at the lives of the saints, here are people that gave care to the destitute and the poor and the dying, established schools and hospitals, you know, fought wars to protect people, you know, established monasteries. They did it in many different places, Calcutta, Chicago, Japan, Orleans, France. They were people like Mother Cabrini, Mother Teresa, Joan of Arc, St. Francis of Assisi. They walked by faith. They had the hope that God would lead them, would tell them when to walk, where to walk, and how to walk in order to accomplish God's mission here in this world. And so they have hope. Now, turn to the gospel finally. Jesus teaches us about Christian hope also. But he also includes something else here. Hope includes patience. Again, you see that in the first reading with Ezekiel. He tells the Israelites, yes, they will be rescued eventually. And yes, a Messiah will come, but eventually, over time. They need to be patient. Now notice Jesus too has that same message. In the first parable of the gospel, he says, this is how it will be with the kingdom of God. As if a man were to scatter seed on the land and would sleep and rise night and day, and through it all the seed would sprout and grow. He knows not how. Of its own accord, the land yields the fruit. First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. Now notice that passage of time. You know, the seed grows when it wants to and how it wants to. See, what we have to recognize that that seed is the seed of faith. And faith just doesn't grow overnight that quickly. No, it takes time and patience. The other thing that we have to realize is faith just doesn't end. We can't say, well, because I've been confirmed, now my faith is complete. No, it's inexhaustible. Saints prove that. We must constantly be growing in our faith, whether we're 8 or 80 years old. But again, notice how unhurried the faith is, how it grows. First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. You know, it's a passage of time. It goes slowly. What's required? Patience. Now go to the second parable. Jesus talks to us about the message of hope and how if we truly are with Christ, we will always find rest in him. He says, To what shall we compare the kingdom of God? It is like a mustard seed. It is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth, but it springs up and becomes the largest of all the plants. And so the birds of the sky can dwell within its shade. Well, go back to the first reading from Ezekiel. Remember that majestic cedar? When it fully matures, the birds come and find rest in its branches. Also, well, too, now with this mustard seed. It starts off small, just like that majestic cedar, just a shoot, but becomes a large plant, 
such that it gives shade and birds come and find rest in it. Well, where else do we see throughout sacred scripture, you know, God giving rest either to animals or to us as human beings? Well, you see it up and down scripture. The Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing I shall want. In verdant pastures, he gives me repose. Besides restful waters, he leads me. Psalm 23. Or, come to me, all who weary and find life burdensome, for I will give you rest, for my yoke is easy and my burden light. Matthew 11:28. See, we can hope in the Lord that we will find rest in him. It is a realistic hope, but we must remain patient. See, all three of the readings for this weekend, Ezekiel, Paul, and Jesus, tell us exactly about hope. But hope must be realistic, and it requires patience. We, too, can reign in the kingdom of God. We can promote peace and justice. We can promote forgiveness, caring, charity, compassion. We can do all that stuff. And it is realistic. We can do it. It requires, though, patience. We can continue reigning in the kingdom of God in this world. First started with Jesus, continuing with the apostles, the saints, and now with us. And it's realistic. But what requires of it? Patience. And yet it all begins with hope. And may the peace and the grace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.